How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining you as always is Frank Madden. And Frank, um, the weekend didn't go, uh, didn't go great for the Bucks. Uh, they lose on Friday to the Raptors 102-86. They lose on Saturday to the Celtics 112-108. Um, I guess on a positive note, that was an overtime. Um, and the Bucks kind of made a comeback to to get back into that game, but ultimately a loss and some some ugly stuff in crunch time. Um, how are you? Where is your head at after the weekend? Well, it was interesting because you you were we were discussing the day, you know the you were saying the next five games sort of decide the Bucks you know shot and making the playoffs. Like is this is this kind of do or die time? And um, you know, again, they're that. They wouldn't be expected to beat certainly Toronto on the road, although Toronto had lost five straight, was without DeRozan. They lost again tonight to the Magic, <laughs> so at home. So it's not like the the Raptors got right all of a sudden by playing the Bucks. The Bucks are the outlier in losing to them. Um, and against Boston, uh, you know they they got out to a slow start for the first time in a while. Um, you know even in the Toronto game they led thirteen to ten before giving up like what like a 17-0 run or something like that mm-hmm. um but they get out to dig themselves a big hole against the um celtics 42 points in the first quarter and i tweeted out i mean i think they gave they gave up 33 plus in every first quarter over the last week and like the four or five games they played over the last week plus um so that's not a trend that anybody feels good about uh and i'm waiting for a first quarter trend that i like yeah. Well, the, <laughs> like, first, the, the, first, the like it used to be like, oh, they're just going to start off terrible and go in like a 10-0 hole. And then they like do well, but oh, in the second half of the first quarter, they give up 30 points. The, one of these times they got to figure they're going to figure out a first quarter equation that I actually I, like I enjoy. It's going to happen. I don't know when. Yeah, the weird thing is that like through their struggles, they've been having some of their better first quarter like, first starts. And some of those times they've been take Giannis out and they go to the bench and then the bench blows. But some of the times Giannis has been playing entire first quarters. Um, you know, the bench, I think, especially Greg Monroe has, you know, had they had a blip where they were down for a few games during that five game losing streak. Then they have kind of gotten started playing better over the last week. Um, and Monroe is obviously pretty crucial, you know, couldn't do, really didn't do much in overtime, but um, but was pretty crucial in the fourth quarter. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. We kind of got into it. I mean, it's a frustrating loss because. On the one hand, it's against a good team, and they were down a lot, and they came back, and the defense actually tightened up significantly as the game went on. I mean, there were a lot of Isaiah Thomas, like, throw your hands up in the air and, you know, say, hey, Tony Snell, you tried your best, and sorry, uh, Isaiah Thomas is just throwing crap up from 27 feet, and it's going in. Um, but they defended well. I mean, Greg Monroe had a couple of big blocks in the fourth quarter. Um, he had they a made... game-winning steal, Frank. 
Yeah, and Jabari Parker then, I mean, Jabari Parker was brain dead on Saturday night is the only way you can describe the way he played. Um, yeah. Had, I mean, they have like a semi-transition opportunity to go up to or hold for a final possession, and he, what, dribbles in, stops, jumps up in the air, and then throws it like 30 feet out of bounds backwards past half court, um, which I don't, I mean, I don't even know what to say about it. I, I, I mean... I literally can't comprehend it. I couldn't comprehend it when it happened. I've seen it a couple times since. I can't comprehend it now. I just, I, I just don't get it. Like, I've, ne- I can't think of an NBA player making a play that bad, and I can't think of an NBA player as talented as Jabari Parker making a play that bad. I, I don't know. I mean, I just, I mean, he had those his worst game of the season overall, and that was pretty much the capper. Um, you know, he got I I early what was it early early in third quarter? I mean, he got benched basically for bad defense. Did he not? I mean, that basically was what happened. I thought he got pulled like three or four minutes into the third quarter, if I remember correctly, for Beasley, um, which has happened twice over the past few weeks, uh, where he's gotten pulled early in a third quarter for basically being bad. Um mm-hmm. and you know, deservedly so. I mean, I I don't know. I I mean he obviously gets a you know they they play him huge minutes obviously despite his obviously his limitations defensively um he had a number of breakdowns um you know in that game defensively uh he obviously was you know terrible offensively i mean he he had to work hard i mean he got a couple of big rebounds and and putbacks so those were his only baskets right i mean yep. it was kind of um it, it's kind of kind of an interesting uh kind of an interesting situation but um, you know, I felt it was kind of cathartic when he got his first bucket because it was like a rebound. He worked hard and he dunked it, and it was like, okay, maybe now he's going to get over it. But um, it just didn't happen. And then, you know, of course, the terrible pass and regulation, and then they tried to get him a um, a quick attacking move in overtime, and he just, you know, what was it Amir Johnson set up, and he just Ugh. plowed over him. <laughs> so offensive foul. I wasn't sure. I didn't. Uh, I thought that that call could have gone either way. I didn't. I didn't love that call in that situation, but I mean, it's it spoke to his struggles that night. That in the fourth quarter, the Celtics went with Olnick on Monroe, and the Bucks were like, "Okay, we're gonna go to Monroe <laughs> literally every time." And then in overtime, they make the switch and put Olnick on Jabari Parker. And two weeks ago, three weeks ago, a month ago, if we, if both you and I going into a game that was being decided, we're going in overtime, and you tell us, hey, the Celtics are going to put Kelly Olenek on Jabari Parker. How many points do you think he's going to score in overtime? 10? 15? Like, <laughs> that matchup? And Olenek wasn't even close to him. He was five, six feet off him. He was going under all these screens. And it in my head, I was just thinking, good God, where did the Jabari Parker of... 22 points a game, 40% from three. Where did that guy go? Because I don't, I don't know if there's something more disrespectful than saying, all right, we're going to let Kelly Olenek on an island against Jabari Parker and totally get away with it. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was, he's 0 for 10 on threes in his last three games. And, um, you know, he, he had some really assertive, nice moments in that Toronto game, especially in the second half. Yeah. Um, I think he had eight points in the final two minutes uh, of the game in Toronto really aggressive took it took it to the basket for a couple of three-point plays um you know season high maybe it was a career high 13 rebounds as well 21 points um 
you know, five out of six from the line. So, you know, in Toronto, you, you saw flickers of him doing some stuff. Okay, yeah, like that's that's more of what you want from Jabari Parker. Um, and obviously, he had the big night against the Rockets uh, earlier in the week. But, um, but you know, I mean, you look at it, four points in 31 minutes, two out of 13 from the field. Um, did have eight rebounds, but three turnovers, including, you know, two huge ones at the end of regulation and overtime. Um, you know, I mean, he's the guy. I mean, if, if Jabari Parker has, you know, anything better than his worst game of the season, the Bucks win that game, right? And uh, yeah. unfortunately, um, that that did, came nowhere close to happening. And, um, you know, the Bucks lose yet again, right? That's now uh, eight out of nine that they've lost, and they're going into a three-game road trip. Uh, and, you know, I mean, the scary thing, I tweeted this out. I mean, it's really strange because you know, the Bucks' record a year ago, 47 games in, 20 and 27. They're 21 and 26 right now. I mean... Like that is a depressing thought that yeah. you're one game better than you were a year ago, as bad as they were a year ago. And not only are they only barely better than they were a year ago, at the same point, they've played five more road or more, five more home games and they've won no more road home games than they did a year ago. They were 13 and seven at this stage last year at home. They're 13 and 12 this year. So that huge you know, home heavy differential has been completely wasted basically. Yeah. Um, and they've obviously been better on the road and you know, the, the plus side is their differential, their scoring differential this year is, is much better, right? I yeah. mean, they're, they're still like plus 0.1 in, in net points per game. Um, positive. I think that's sixth best in the East, but you know, now we get back to the whole issue of, well, how do you, gee, how do you end up with a positive scoring <laughs> differential? They, they have an expected one loss, you know, from a Pythagorean standpoint of 24 and 23, but they're 21 and 26 and they're what whatever they are 10th and 10th in the east and um you know just uh, even the bulls have won a game won a game tonight i think um if i saw correctly uh so again they're they're losing ground against all these teams that really aren't playing particularly well so it's it's a weird position because in many ways yeah the bucks have been a lot better this year obviously you know jabari or sorry Giannis in particular jabari you know lesser extent obviously overall he's he's put up much better numbers um the, those guys, obviously, that alone should make you much, much happier uh, than, you know, we you might have thought coming into the season. Um, but obviously, there's a lot of frustration, understandably, that, you know, it felt like this Bucks team was playing a lot better. And, you know, pretty much all of that, uh, you know, p- positivity seems to be kind of eroding with, with obviously a, a really bad streak where the defense just continues to struggle and and they just can't get stops and then you know in crunch time they can't get buckets when they need them uh can you read me your tweet from this afternoon about your assessment of this buck season i don't know if you have it in front of you maybe i can find it real quick but i thought it was necessary and okay so you tweeted out the thing about the record and then someone said so you're saying another lousy season and you said Giannis superstardom and Jabari getting notably better actually makes this a really successful season and Thon being solid would be gravy. And that seems like a, a necessary piece of perspective that that's needed yeah. right now. Um, just because I, I know I, certainly we've had some doozies in the last week, uh, speaking of our podcasts and us going off and being upset with this team and not being able to do some things that maybe we thought they, they should do, they could do. Um, so it's been disappointing as a Bucks fan, but those things are very real and, and things that we didn't necessarily know before the season. Like we, we both thought 
both Giannis and Jabari would take a jump, but I don't think either of us thought it would, especially in Giannis's case, lead to winning basketball. And I don't even know if we thought Jabari would be quite as good as he has been. So um, I think that's important to note, but also uh, in the same breath, the last two weeks have been as bad as you think they've been. They've, they've played poorly. They, there's been lack of effort. Um, I mean, there's been Jabari Parker getting benched. There's been Jabari Parker now not reacting particularly well to being benched. Or I don't know if you want to put them together, but they've happened in the last two weeks. And uh, certainly seeing him play as poorly as he did on Saturday would make me think that he's maybe not feeling quite right, maybe not feeling uh, great about uh, the last stretch of time. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a really ugly two weeks. Um, and man, 42 points in the first quarter uh, against the Celtics. That, that's just incredibly brutal, especially when you consider 22, 17 and 21 in the other three quarters. So they, they could do do a better job against the Celtics. They did do a better job against the Celtics and, uh, just, I don't know. It, it's difficult to explain right now um, what's going on with this team. Um, other things from the weekend, we kind of talked about Jabari. We kind of talked about uh, Giannis. Anything else you want to talk about before we get to our bigger final topic that I know we discussed beforehand? Well, I, since we just talked about my tweet, um, you know, let's touch briefly. So we talked about Jabari. We talked, you know, Giannis. Um, you know, and and actually, get, go, going back quickly, I mean, we should say that Jabari might have had his best game of the season against Houston, which came the day the game after his benching versus the Heat. Yeah, so, that's true. Um, in the game since then, obviously, he's been kind of up and down. I thought Philly was, you know, not a great performance from him. He did score twenty, um, had three blocks, but you know, again, team couldn't get over the hump, and and he was part of that as well. Um, I thought Toronto, he was he was fine. You know, he's pretty good. Um, yeah. Thirteen rebounds was definitely encouraging. And and the Boston game was obviously really really a huge bummer for him and and obviously for the team to to be so close and have a chance to get a real feel good win against a good team and not get it. Um, Giannis, he had four out of five games sub fifty percent from the field going into the Boston game. He starts off what zero for five, just taking a bunch of jump shots. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he kind of gets it together. He finishes eight out of 16, 21 points. I think six rebounds, six assists, or seven yep. and six, whatever it was. Um, had a huge block on Jalen Brown. Actually, had another block on Jalen Brown where the ball went in, <laughs> went in anyway uh, down the stretch. But um, you know, unfortunately, kind of you know, I think a lot of frustration in overtime was Giannis. You know, they they were I think understandably they were trying to go through Greg Monroe. That was their most reliable source of offense down the stretch, and Greg Monroe was huge in helping them get to overtime. They made that switch, as you said, to put Amir Johnson on. Uh, Greg Monroe, uh, and he didn't score, I think, again in overtime. Yeah. I think Snell was the only guy who scored in overtime with two huge threes. Tony Snell, by the way, um, almost 60% true shooting right now, 38, <laughs> 39% from three. Shout out to Tony Snell. He worked his ass off on Isaiah Thomas, and even when Isaiah was going off, I mean, I don't think you could really blame Tony Snell that much for some of yeah. the shots that, that he was making. Tony Snell is now like the lead guard stopper for the Bucks, which I think is interesting um, and speaks to, to, you know, the way they view his, 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 uh, his contributions. But um, a lot of good stuff through Greg Monroe. And unfortunately, you know, Delhi um, as the guy bringing the ball up a lot of time is the guy and making entry passes. Uh, and unfortunately it felt like there was a lot of Delhi and Delhi trying to get it to Monroe 
and very little of Giannis. And when Giannis did touch it a couple times, he didn't really look like he was shooting it. They wanted to shoot it. They finally go to him late. Um, he had a mismatch down low. I forget who was guarding him, but but Johnson came over and helped and turned um, when when Giannis went middle um, with the chance. I think it was to tie. Um, Amir Johnson made a you know, really nice help play to force a really difficult shot by Giannis, and he missed, and that was basically it. Um, but again, I think the question comes up: Okay, well, why can't they score in crunch time? And you know, oh, Giannis needs more shots, and it's like, well, I think there's there's multiple issues here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the fundamental one is, you know. Giannis and Jabari, I mean, especially Jabari on Saturday, but there just still isn't like, oh, they're still not the kind of guys who you're just going to ISO up at the top of the key and they're just going to go to work and either create an easy shot for somebody else or or get a, a really easy bucket themselves. I mean, Giannis, the way he was hitting fadeaway jumpers in Toronto, he clearly is like developing some, you know, yeah. that skill. Maybe he's relying on it too much at times, but um, in terms of actually becoming sort of that crunch time ISO scorer that, you know, unfortunately you generally have to be to be a crunch time guy, um, you know, we're still not seeing it. And part of it obviously is play calling and other things. But, um, you know, again, just sort of the uh, same story we've seen a lot of times this season. Yeah, it's it's been frustrating with each of them. And uh, I mean, on... On nights when their jumpers aren't going particularly well and they're not getting to the line, like they, I mean, really, it's been the last couple games. Uh, but Saturday night, uh, oh, f- no free throws for Jabari, just three or four for for Giannis, and I think it was pretty similar on Wednesday um, in Toronto. I think they maybe got to the line uh, a little bit more. Yeah, six attempts for Jabari and eight for Giannis. Um, but the last two home games, it hasn't been a lot to the free throw line. It, it's and when those two don't have their jumper and aren't getting to the line, it, it kind of shrinks down their options, or at least what they think their options may be. Um, that okay, maybe I'm not going to be able to get to the rack, and maybe I don't want to shoot this pull up jumper in, in crunch time. And it, it, it's just interesting to see in those moments the their options kind of shrink, and they they think well. I, I got to try to get to the rim or, um, I don't, I, I, I guess it's a thing people hate to say, but it, it's just guys being young. Like they need more of those reps. And, and I think, like you said, the, a big thing is the, I, Giannis just needs the ball there more. Um, I guess part of the difficult part is, is if you want to play through Monroe late, it's it's relatively difficult, I would say, for Giannis to make that entry pass just because his guy can sink off of him. There's not much of an angle, and even though Delhi hasn't shot well, I think people probably respect him a little bit more, and there's not quite as much length on that side of the floor. Um, but yeah, it it's I mean it, it continues to be a problem, and I don't think we we've really seen a solution in clutch time unless Monroe has a mismatch that that he can exploit in Kelly Olynyk, uh, unless Beasley's going, unless uh, Giannis is hitting a fadeaway jumper. It, they've just they've just struggled in the clutch, and um, it, it's been the story of this season. Uh, and I, I'm try, as as I talk about it, I get more and more confused and figure out fewer and fewer solutions to that actual problem. Yeah, and someone asked me, you know, oh, why why didn't Jabari call a timeout um late on the to set up a final play um uh, at the end of regulation and um my reaction is first off, I'm shocked that anyone given the way people talk about Jason Kidd and his strategy, I'm shocked anybody 
uh, on Twitter would would even want them to call a timeout to set up a play because <laughs> Lord knows their set plays have not been executed. And, and honestly, a lot of I'm being sarcastic, obviously, but, um, you know, it seems like either they don't have a good play drawn up or somebody just makes a horrible basic mistake. <laughs> like, you know, they drop a beautiful play for that Giannis alley-oop against what the Philly or whoever it was. And then Roy Amwells it yeah. over him. Um, Deli and Giannis can't execute an inbound pass with one another. I think in that same game, yep. um, you know, just like I mean, I think they've had two other games, but the the Golden State game, and I think there's been at least one more where they, you know, late in the game, last possession, they just literally can't even get a shot off. Um, but I think bottom line, I mean, the Bucks in half court are not a good uh, solution <laughs> um, late in games. So to be honest, I mean. As much as you want to have a last shot in in regulation, I mean, if Jabari Parker has a retreating, chaotic, you know, situation where he might actually be able to take advantage of the fact that the Celtics aren't back on defense, I don't mind him trying to like push the tempo and actually go look for a shot. I think the problem is, you know, then when he stops and retreats and he gets himself <laughs> up in the air, I don't want him throwing the ball out of bounds, you know. Oh. So, uh, yeah, a timeout would have been way better than you know a turnover, but. Um, I also don't necessarily mind them trying to play without a timeout because I think also, you know, I mean, playing taking timeouts also means the defense sets up and and you know, do you want to let Brad Stevens set up his defense and you know get organized? I don't, you know, I'm I'm actually I think there are too many timeouts at the end of games to be honest. Um, obviously, if you need to advance the ball because there's two seconds left, that's one thing. But um, you know, when there's like. 20 seconds on the clock. I actually kind of like it when teams play and just play wide open and just sort of have to figure something out. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. Um, I don't know how I feel about it with this team because the Bucks don't have a ton of guys I would consider remarkable ISO scorers. Um, they may need the the crutch of of a setup play, but then when the Bucks execute as well as they do, I guess I don't want them to do that either. So I, they might as well just hand the ball to the other team in clutch time because I don't I don't have any uh, solution. I guess the the only if thing they don't have to make it if they don't have to make an entry pass, I feel better. That's basically <laughs> what I'm saying. I don't trust them to throw the ball into a player on their own team. Um, I, I guess the one thing I think maybe Giannis post ups a little bit more often. Um, I know that was obviously how they got into uh, the fadeaway at the garden that he hit. That was a post-up opportunity. Um, maybe just trying to do something that is going to um, discourage Delhi from trying to attack someone off the dribble and then also get Giannis the ball. <laughs> so, like, not a pick-and-roll with Giannis and Delhi because at this point no one is going to let him pass the ball and everyone's going to make him shoot a off foot floater from 12 feet um so maybe that's maybe that's part of a solution um and going more of like a lebron setup where you just try to get it to him on a wing and then have cutters do stuff on the backside, and maybe that's how Giannis operates as well um but yeah the it's it's a struggle and it's difficult to watch i think um you know i was kind of trying to think about it um Like a lot of people want to play with, you know, if you play small, a lot of people love the idea of, oh, just have like, you know, five shooters on the court or something like that. Um, But I mean, the interesting thing is if you have five guys, if you play five out, I mean, at that point, you're almost making yourself too easy to defend because everybody's on the perimeter. Um, You know, you want kind of you'd have to have somebody sort of like, you know, spacing more towards the rim. And I kind of wonder if you get Giannis on the court, maybe you have Giannis be that 
post sort of focal point. You put shooters around him um, to try to give him room to operate and, and limit the ability of teams to help off him in the post or something like that. But I don't know. I mean, it'll be it. it, it they, they obviously have to keep trying to figure out how they're going to do this. And um, I think, you know, you want to obviously see Giannis and Jabari be guys that are, you know, fundamentally more involved in those situations. Um, I mean, one thing I would say, I mean, I, I was annoyed with Della Vadova. Um, and again, he made he did not help in overtime at all. I mean, he had, you know, four turnovers on the night. Um you know, they I, they weren't even trying to have him guard Isaiah Thomas much of the night because obviously they just didn't think he could. Um, but, uh, you know, Dell looked Delhi was four out of seven, scored 14 points, six assists. I mean, you know, he didn't have a bad night in the box score overall. Uh, and he's had five straight games where he's shot 50 percent or better from three. So that three point shot is kind of, you know, we, we talked about how he's not as bad as he has been shooting. Um, he's up to 35 percent from three on the year. Um you know, again, he, he's not a, a great player. He's not a great shooter, um, but he's definitely much better than he has been. So I think it's definitely a positive that he's come around a bit. Um, do I think Brogdon deserves to be probably in late in games because I trust him to be able to make a layup or a shot inside the arc? I would still play Brogdon, but, you know, unfortunately, um, Delhi's getting these minutes and he's not producing, even though he's been playing better in, in non-crunch time. I was just going to say, too, the Celtics game, Brogdon is 4 of 12, 0 of 3 from the 3, 11 points, 5 assists. Like, you could you could argue Delhi had a, the better night that night and that he, he might have deserved it. But I, I totally get what you're saying. I'm just saying in that game specifically. Like, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, anybody else before we talk about so i in my going back to that tweet about why this season should still be considered a success despite the very frustrating um results we've been seeing and and the fact that the one loss record has not been dramatically better um there was one more player other than Giannis Jabari that i mentioned and i think we want to talk about him but before we do that anybody else anything else from either friday or saturday night that you wanted to touch on or should we get to uh uh, the mystery man from Australia. Um, Beasley scoring some points against the Celtics yes, was cool. He did. He was good. Um, yeah. That was nice. Obviously, Monroe was great. Like, like a, a legitimate game winning pick of Isaiah Thomas in a pick and roll hedge. That's ludicrous. That's a ludicrous statement for me to make at any point in the season from any Bucks big, let alone. Greg Monroe after the season he had defensively last year. Uh, three steals, three blocks in that game. I think two of those blocks come in the overtime period or in the final 10 minutes of the game where he was playing with five fouls. He plays the final 10 with those five fouls, doesn't pick up a sixth, and was great on defense, rebounding. Um, and for the final five minutes of regulation, they ran the offense through him. He was, he was fantastic. I, I can't say enough about how well he played in that game. It's kind of funny with Monroe because you think of a guy like him who's not that quick and you think of him being like, well, you don't want him, you know, having him be really aggressive on the perimeter is, is not the way you want to play him. Right. I mean, the Bucks sort of with with Henson, they don't normally have Henson play very aggressively on pick and rolls like he usually, you know, kind of drops back mm-hmm. a little bit um, because you want him back for for shot blocking purposes. But with Monroe. I mean, it's funny because he's not quick, but you do want him. I mean, I feel like you get better results with him mixing in kind of like bum rushes of the point guard because it sort of disrupts. And 
and he's got such great hands and quick hands for creating steals that um, you're you're way more likely to, I think, create a steal. I mean, it does seem like it's probably more of a winning bet versus having him try to hang back. And, you know, I'm just having visions of that Rockets game where he seemed to be hanging back more. And James Harden was just sort of like, you know, annihilating him, driving in space to to the rim and finishing over him. But um, but yeah, Monroe was really good. And, and he did have that uh, had a couple big blocks. Um, so, yeah. you know, I, again, I, second game in a week, the Philly game, the other one where Monroe played really well and carried the Bucks late. And, you know, the Bucks could not, you know, couldn't pull out a game despite his best efforts in crunch time. And I was looking it up. I'm sure the number is probably better now than it than it was um, going into that game. But, you know, he had a true shooting percentage of, I think, of 66 percent or something like that in, in clutch situations mm-hmm. going into that game. Um, you know, and it was a similar story last year. And yeah. it's kind of a, fun, a, a scary thing to think about. You know, if Greg Monroe is indeed gone next year for, you know, whatever reason, because oh, he opts out yeah. or whatever. Um, this team's going to have to, you know, the, the, he's been a huge crutch for them when he's been in games um, down down the stretch. And obviously right now it's it's hard to imagine them going a different direction um, the way they've been relying on him. But, you know, again, I think, you know, so much of like that game, I, I just picture Giannis sort of just standing on the perimeter just waiting for the ball to go down to Monroe. I mean, it, it's definitely not accelerating Giannis's learning curve late in games to, to have Monroe there the way he is a crutch. But, um Again, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to say it's going to help them if he's gone, but um, the training wheels are probably going to have to come off at some point. I was going to ask this to you, Frank, and Alex Boder and I were having this conversation on Saturday. Do you think Giannis has been cutting less lately, or is does he maybe cut less when Monroe is on the floor? I, I'm just trying to think of him getting like some backdoor like cuts some backdoor like dunks like i I know he's gotten some in the last like week or so with maybe like brogdon in the game like when brogdon goes baseline but and i I could just be imagining this too um but i'm curious what you think there and then also i another Giannis thing i want to make sure i'm not crazy about in transition he's absolutely not being as as aggressive as he used to be am i am i wrong on either of those things what are your thoughts? Mm, I don't know if it's a matter of aggression and transition because I think even last year in the second half, eventually teams got better about kind of really like, you know, and it's obviously on the scouting report, but kind of like getting back in numbers to try mm-hmm. to just give him too many bodies to go through. Um, you know, I think his I think his transition numbers have to probably down Um of late, uh, but you know, I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to say. There was a couple of Celtics possessions where he'd start on the left wing and just dribble across the court at like the free throw line, and like turn his back to the basket. And it's like a, J- a Jason Terry transition three is not worth this, man. It is it is yeah. not worth it. Well, like, he, attack the rim. Well, he got going in the third quarter, I thought, by scoring and actually being pretty aggressive yeah. in transition. He had a couple where he was like a trailer, had one where he just sort of Euro stepped. I think it was maybe it was on Olenek or whoever it was on. But um, but yeah, so, so I, I mean, could he, be crazy he definitely, there. What about the cutting? OK, uh, well, I'll say this. So the one advantage of him doing the entry pass into Monroe is that him and Monroe, it's not necessarily like a direct cut, but like Giannis is good at like cutting and then it's almost like a like secondary like cut when he where he'll like kind of around yeah he'll well and, and he doesn't even he, it's almost like he just like linger sometimes he'll just linger in the paint for like yep. an extra beat and then the double the 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 guy he's who's defending him will like cover him into the lane and then 
call, and then try to double over yeah. on Monroe, and then Monroe will find him. So it's not like kind of a bang bang give and go type cut, but yeah. it's still what I would call a cut. Um, I mean, the other area where I think the Bucks um, have have been cutting well is Jabari and Giannis both when especially when a point guard sort of like is dribbling around and kind of does one of those Nash plays where they're kind of going towards the baseline um both Giannis and Jabari are good at at sort of those wade cuts or v cuts whatever whatever they're called where you're kind of like cutting in from the wings and and you know the defense is sort of like always tends to get you know it's just like easier to get kind of get caught napping there um but I do I do think it's interesting because well first off um you know, Giannis is no longer a guy that just sits in the corner. So, you know, the the baseline is is oftentimes where you see guys cutting, right? Because, you know, somebody gets middle, somebody collapses or, or comes over to help from the baseline or the corner. And then, you know, a guy cutting in from the baseline comes in. I mean, that's that was baseline Bari, right? That's yep. that's Jabari Parker did that. And so for, you know, starters, Giannis isn't in the corner pretty much ever because he's Giannis. You want him, you know, on the wings at the top, whatever. Yeah. Um, Jabari maybe is still in the corner a little bit, but I mean we don't see as much baseline Bari. And I think the other thing too is both guys, especially Jabari now, are you know they know they can. Jabari in particular knows he can hit spot up three pointers, and so as much as like that shot equity kind of like can make a team be more um, uh, you know susceptible to being back cut because you got to kind of you can't hang off. Um, if a guy doesn't want to cut because he wants to look for an open three, then, you know, he's just going to cut less. So I don't know. I mean, I think there's probably a multiple, there are probably multiple things going on there. Um, I think the Bucks, I assume the Bucks are still one of the top cutting teams in the league, but uh, you know, again, it's, it's kind of hard to say if, if it's, you know, Giannis is cutting less. I think, I think we can't underrate how important it is for Giannis to still get baskets through movement and cutting and getting the ball when the defense isn't set, because again, we talk about him, you know, his synergy numbers, he's been below average, um, in ISO, uh, as a pick and roll ball handler, as I think as a post guy, maybe he's been slightly above average as a post guy, I'd have to check, but, um, but it is really important for him to get the ball other ways. And obviously, um, you know, the, the, the thing we want to see more of, of him is being able to kind of, you know, get developed those bread and butter ways of scoring without those sorts of, you know, passing type type things. But, um, but I don't know, is that, does that make sense or what do you think about his cutting? No, I, I think there's been a little bit of him trying to work the jumper in a little bit as well. Um, I don't know, for some reason it just felt like the last couple games and, and, and I, it feels different watching a game on TV and then being at the game. Um, and I don't know, the last two home games, it's felt like when I've been there, like there's just a little bit less cutting from him, not not as many opportunities that way. But like I said, that's totally anecdotal and just kind of what what my, what my current feeling is. Um, so it, that could be totally wrong, but it just feels like I've seen a little bit less of that. One one thing we have seen um, less of is Giannis going to the free throw line. Um, he averaged about nine free throw attempts per game in December. I think he had a stretch. I want to say he was like six of eight games. He had double digit free throw attempts. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the last month here in January, he's down to around six free throws, three free throw attempts a game. Um, I mean, still an efficient scoring month for him. I think he was like 57 point something percent true shooting, which is still above average and very good. Um, but, you know, he was at 64 percent in December in large part because he was just, you know, getting to the rim and getting fouled so much. So, um, again, you hope that some of those numbers obviously start to come back around because um, 
I liked 64% <laughs> true shooting Giannis, and Same obviously his, a lot of his efficiency numbers have, have come down to earth a little bit. Um, why don't we talk about the third leg in uh, the uh, in in my tweet from what I mentioned earlier, and that is Thon Maker. Um, How about we do it tomorrow? We can do it tomorrow. Oh, that was a, that was a strong tease. But yeah. that makes sense. I think we're up over 30 minutes. And we don't have a game until Wednesday. That's okay. what I'm saying. Let's do it tomorrow. Tuesday, Tuesday is Thonmaker Day. Yeah, I was going to say, if you Thon haven't Maker been able Day. to figure out our teases, our very obvious teases, and uh, we've already given it away a couple times. So, yeah. Uh, let's do Thon uh, uh, Tuesday. Let's talk about Thon because um, there, was, there was a sequence on Saturday, and it was exciting. I will say that. All right, we'll leave it there. It, it, Thon Maker Monday would have been such a had, would have had such a nice ring to it. But Thon, Thon Tuesday, uh, yeah, Thon Thursday. No, we don't have time to wait till Thursday. But uh, but Thon Maker Tuesday, Taco Tuesday will become Thon Maker Tuesday. Um, <laughs> I I look forward to it. We'll I promise if if the weekend bummed you out, I think Thon Maker Tuesday will make you feel a little bit better. And uh, I think we all need, I think we all need that. We need to heal. <laughs> yeah, we planned this out so that we could. Beforehand, we we're like, oh, okay, let's talk about the depressing stuff first, and then let's get to the positive stuff we want to talk about. And we just did 30 minutes on the depressing stuff. So stick with us. We'll, we'll be back tomorrow, and we'll be positive and fun and have a great time. And it'll be Thon's Day. Uh, so it'll, it'll be great. We'll talk to you tomorrow. That was Frank Van. I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks.